Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Ugh, another pointless video call where nothing gets done. I think you're on mute, David. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. What did I miss? IT just approved Miro for the whole company. Miro? That's the... Online whiteboard. For team collaboration. We can make these long video meetings so much shorter with Miro boards. We can share ideas, feedback, and updates on them whenever. Actually see what we're talking about. It's all online. Miro will make our flexible work setup so much easier. With one virtual space for our brainstorms, projects, presentations. Oh, that sounds kind of amazing. So I don't need to wake up for 6 a.m. calls with the London office anymore. Now you're getting it. Don't let time zones get in the way of your team working well together. See why 99% of the Fortune 100 trust Miro to get good work done from anywhere. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway for You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. And welcome to a brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. Hey! We're back at it again for another week of geeky goodness, getting into a bunch of trailers, getting into some AMC drama, some Hogwarts legacy drama, and talking the first reactions to Ant Man of the Wasp Quantumania and what it means for phase five. So strap in, y'all. We got a lot to jump into. Let's introduce ourselves. I'm the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on The Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer where you can see some of our current work on Netflix right now with Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, season two and season one. Also on YouTube. A lot of places you can see it. A lot of places, a lot of stuff you can watch. Apparently also, you can even see it if you go see Knock at the Cabin. What? Wait, what? Yeah. So I I went to go see Knock at the Cabin yesterday, okay. which which you know I we'll have, we'll we'll chat later, John. I, I liked a lot I liked of it. it. All right, go ahead. Yes. I, I liked a lot of it. Okay. Um, but at one point in the background, um, you know they have uh they have a cartoon, an animated program playing on on a on a flat screen TV. That yeah. animated program is Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, hey. season one. Like I'm like I wasn't in a crowded theater, so uh-huh. I took my phone out and I texted Hogan. I'm like, dude, you are never gonna believe this, but I'm at knock in the cabin. Strawberry shortcake. The oven episode is playing in the background. 
<laughs> they didn't tell anybody. I got I got a I got an email from our director, and he was like, "Did you know this?" And I was like, "I didn't know this." And then we talked to our executive, and she's like, "Wait, what?" And then we emailed people at Wildbrain, and they were like, "Oh yeah, they called us, and they wanted to license some strawberry shortcake." And I was like, "Well, that would have been good to know." So yeah, <laughs> yeah strawberry yeah. shortcake, Barry in the big city, part of the Shamalaniverse. So there you Son go. Of a bitch, what? A, that's awesome. That's I didn't even <laughs> register that as I was watching it. I thought it was an old cartoon, and then the. Uh, Proud family came on later on in the movie as well. So I was like, oh, wow. Oh, so that's awesome. All right. Congratulations. This is good. <laughs> good stuff there. Nice synergy. Um, but yeah, we're going to get into so many things here. Just want to remind you all that uh, how the show works for those of you who are new. Um, and for those of you who've been with us, thank you so much. We each tackle a geek news item, take a break, and jump into our main topic. And our main topic will be the Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mini Reactions in Phase Five conversation. And before we get started, big shout out to Carbon Health who continues to power and sponsor us into 2023. I've got some new talking points that I need to bring up here from my friend. Don. I don't even know if I can find it. But anyway, there's 100 plus locations all over the place in, in, uh, in, in the United States, 80 plus locations in California alone. So there's so much going on here. Uh, here we go. You may know Carbon Health for its 120 plus locations that handle urgent care, COVID, RSV, and flu testing and vaccinations. But what people should be looking into is how they're expanding into primary care services that include connected health. That's right. What is connected health? It's the idea that our health isn't just about our bodies, but also our minds. So Carbon Health's providers come connected with mental health specialists as well. That's awesome. Carbon Health will be expanding these primary care services further into 2020 through 2023. And if you're in Massachusetts, you'll be able to access the connected care next month since it's now expanded from california to massachusetts so don't sleep on those primary care services there you go nice little plug for carbon health all right i guess i start off here so let's get it going uh the big news uh, dropped a couple of days ago here with amc it had to come from amc theaters there was a lot of drama that was uh, uh surrounding this story here amc theaters announcing this new initiative called the sightline initiative which changes ticket pricing in the theater in the same screening you're at based on where the seat is located within the auditorium. Quite a few people had an issue with it over the last couple of days. Elijah Wood's comments have been highlighted here. He condemned it. He said the movie theater is and always has been a sacred democratic space for all this new initiative by AMC theaters would essentially penalize people for lower income and reward for higher income, I also tweeted about it, and it was picked up by Brad. It was very kind of them, but essentially saying the same thing. This feeling, this this felt like what, in essence, is deciding that those of you who can afford it will seat in the higher seats or in the better seats, rather, and those of you who can't, you'll sit in the lower seats. Essentially, turning us all back into Shakespeare days and the groundlings and all of that nonsense here. Uh, the the it's offering three different seat pricing options. Just give you a little background. Standard sightline, which are seats that are most common in auditoriums and are available for the traditional cost for a ticket. Value sightline, which is seats in the front row of the auditorium and are available at a lower price. And preferred sightline, which are seats in the middle of the auditorium and are priced at premium to standard sightline seats. AMC Stubbs A-list members will be able to reserve seats in the preferred sightline section at no additional cost. And the uh, value sightline pricing pricing is only available to AMC Stubbs members, including the free tier membership. And this is going into effect this Friday. So this is kind of crazy. And there was a lot of strong reactions. Gentlemen, what do you think about this? Go ahead. Well, I think I think I, I, <laughs> right, I think it's dumb. Somebody. Go ahead. Yes. I think it's dumb, but okay. I want to be like, so if you have AMC Stubbs, 
everything is the same? Yeah, you're good. Apparently, you're still so, good if you have AMC sub, stubs for now, I guess. So AMC subs, everything's the same. Like, you get seats wherever you want. Mm-hmm. If you don't have MC, AMC subs, how much more is the premium seat and how much less is the value seat? It's $1 to $2 more uh, depending on where you're going to be sitting. And then I imagine it's $1 to $2 less depending on where you're going to be sitting in the front area. Uh, and, of course, $1 to $2 more in the middle area is what I've got here. So I guess here's what I think as far as, uh, as, far as the drama surrounding it. Yeah. Do I think it's dumb? Sure. I think it's dumb. I think uh, we pay the same – like, and I think as John said in his tweet, uh, it was a really good point. When you go to see uh, uh, IMAX screen, when you yeah. go to see a theater that has like the super comfy seats and you're paying more for that experience, totally get it. But when you're going into a theater and all the seats are the same, um, it's kind of like this is dumb. I don't think this is going to last. We'll see how it goes. On the other side of things, as far as epic drama and the haves and the have-nots and we're putting the poor people in the front row, when we're talking about a $1 to $2 difference, I don't think this is the thing that's going to break apart the class structure of America. So I think I think we can – is it stupid? 100% it's stupid. Is is this the new class war? Let them eat cake. Let them sit in the valued seats. Like this is – I don't know that this is the thing – that is going to, uh, uh, you know, bring bring the common man up and the working man will rise because he had to sit in that front row seat in the AMC theater and stare up Nicole Kidman's nose. Like, I don't think that this is the thing, but I do think that it is stupid. You know, when they came for my tickets, I didn't say anything. It was the <laughs> The concern I have, and Shannon, please, your, th- your thoughts on this is, this is how it starts, though. And then it's like, well, you get the premium popcorn. You get the Glengarry leads. You get the premium popcorn in the middle section. But in the lower section, you get the popcorn that's been sitting there cold in the bin. <laughs> and those of you in the half section, you get the kind of warm popcorn, not the hot popcorn. The warm. And then you get the stale candy. I mean, is this the beginning of the end? Although Michael is 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 not thinking it is. Shannon, what are your thoughts on this? Johnny, I I am more inclined. Now, I am not as adamant as you are, but I am more inclined to agree with you here because to me, this is like an air. This is like when airlines started charging for bags. This is the nickel and diming yeah. that I think this is not the way to get people back into the theater. Like you used to you used to fly on a plane, and you got your meal. It's probably not a great meal, but you got a meal. You got to fly with your bag. Now they charge you for a bag. Some airlines even charge you for a carry on bag. They don't, you know, that you might get some pretzels, you might get a drink. It's this, it's this petty, shitty nickel and diming trying to get anything, you know, any little thing more. And right. also, I, I do think this is going to blow up in their face because it's like, how do you police this? You really do you think right. that you think the 19 year old is going to go in and, and ask everyone in the middle section, let me see your ticket? I, I you know, I, I don't think, I don't think this can be policed. It's just well, the silliest. Dumbest well, wait thing. a minute. If you no, no, no. If you have a situation where the theater is sold out, absolutely, yeah, yeah you can yeah. police it. But if you have someone going in, uh, you know, a two o'clock matinee, and right, there's twelve people in the theater. Like, like, are, are is someone really going to go in and be like, hey, let me see your ticket? I mean, right. the, it just, it's just really, it's just kind of dumb to me. Like, do I think it's the the beginnings of, of class warfare? No, um, but I do think it's a really kind of stupid decision to make i think the idea when they were talking about it like charging more for like a marvel film or a star wars film i thought that had more of a realistic leg to stand on yeah that has more men than than this 
because this is just uh, it, it. This is just ridiculous. And honestly, I mean, I didn't read the specifics. I mean, when John read them, that's the first time I was hearing of it. I'm like, okay, if the base price is when you start in the bottom and you go up. I mean, if you have a family, you have a family of six. If it's two extra dollars, that's 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 an extra twelve dollars. That would have bought that would have bought you know a, a, a popcorn. Um, I, again, I think it's it, it's the it's the beginning that I I hope that the uh, the outcry from everyone does blow up in their face, and I hope they nip it in the bud because this is it's that's stupid. I mean, I do think Shannon is right in that this doesn't get people back in theaters. I mean, no. as as theaters are sort of trying to figure out what they can do to keep profits up, to keep money up, like this doesn't get people back in theaters because when we can watch most movies that are in theaters in a matter of weeks, yeah. You know, to Shannon's point, you reach a point where you do the math. It's actually cheaper for you to rent it for $25 on Apple Plus three weeks later than it is to get those extra tickets. So I do agree that when you start getting into people's um, feelings about it, I think this is not going to make people uh, love movie theaters the way Nicole Kidman wants us to at the beginning of every AMC movie. Like, I don't think that this is going to do it. But, you know, I mean, like, I think, and again, it gets in, it, it gets into how you feel about nickel and diming. Like, I, I think that nickel and diming is stupid, but also at the end of the day, like, if I pay another $5 here, another $3 here, I'm fortunate and privileged enough that I'm like, that's annoying, but I don't care. Right. Um, what I care about is when you, yeah, yeah. And I, what I care about is more like, like price gouging, which is why I was really curious. Like if it was like a $10 difference, a $15 difference. Um, you know, recently, uh, not, not so recently, but a few months back when I went to Florida and went to Universal Studios mm-hmm. uh, and I bought my park hopper pass to go to both parks. And then I was like, oh, I'll get a front of line pass. And the front of line pass cost more than the price of admission to the park. Wow. That's where I get like, OK, wait a minute. Now that that is actually like taking advantage of and again i could afford it but when you start going a family of four goes to universal buys two park hopper tickets and then has to buy spend more than the price of admission to do the front of line stuff that's where i start to get really mad so i think again no argument for me like i don't think oh amc really cracked the code on this one like i think it's really (laughs) stupid and i agree with shannon that it's going to blow up in their face but i And and that front of the line pass that was more than the cost of admission did not include the two newest attractions at the Universal Park. So it was kind of crappy. But, you know, that's I think that the theme park example is is that that's a good place to start because, you know, the three of us, you know, we're you know, we we have. We, we've done well. So if we want to go to a theme park and and spend a, a little bit extra money, like at Disney, they have the Genie Plus and, you know, you mm-hmm. pay a little bit extra and, you know, for, for the Fast Pass, the Lightning Lane, whatever it is, yeah. uh, the three of us can do that. And it's and it's kind of yeah. like, ah, that's kind of dumb. But on the other hand, I'm like, oh, great. I, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to wait in line. When you factor in that you have families of, you know, five, six p- parents that that save up all year to take them, take their kids on this vacation. Yeah. And then once they get there, you see how much that these, you know, these companies kind of do gouge them. And, you know, they end up spending way more money than, than what they're expecting. They're probably not going to get the experience they want because of all this extra money they're having to shell out. I just think it's, yeah, the whole thing is just kind of super shitty. And, and it seems like this is where if people don't cause a stink with AMC, um, th- this is this is the direction that it will keep going. 
Yeah, and it's no surprise that they launched this and they're already going to implement it within the week. Like this news dropped on Monday and it's already yeah. going into effect on Friday. That's on purpose. That's on purpose to try to keep you off balance and take advantage of the situation, try to slide it by you. But more and more people are coming out against this and Elijah Wood being the one that people are focusing on the, or these sites rather are focusing on the most. And here's some extra part of this. New prices will not affect showings before 4 p.m. or tickets sold at a special discount on Tuesdays. That's what AMC said, and they defended it. Chief Marketing Officer and Executive Vice President Elliot Hamlish said that this is more closely aligned with the, quote, reserve seats and pricing models of other types of ticketed events like concerts and sporting events, and people would be more in control over their experience. So this is, I understand why they're doing it, but this is how it starts. It never starts big. It starts with the little things, a dollar here, two dollars here. Oh, it's a little bit extra. It's a little bit extra. This you want to use a bathroom? It's a dollar. You want to, these are these little things that they start but, to implement. And again, I'm not defending, but using mm-hmm. that, I mean, like it is. He, it, they aren't wrong that I go to buy tickets at the Hollywood Bowl, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and certain sections I buy are really expensive, and those are the better seats. Right. And certain sections are over to the side, or you go to a theater. Uh, on Broadway to see live theater, there's partial viewing seats, there's balcony right. seats versus orchestra seats. So they're not wrong in the fact that the concept of going to a place right. and you go and open the tickets and there are different price tickets depending on where you are going to sit yeah. is true. I think that movie that that being applied to movie theaters uh, is where people are like, well, wait, this is new. This like, is not. A, that's a static thing. Whereas concerts and those those are three D and you're those are I mean real life rather. And so moving around or sitting in a certain section or sitting, it's so you can get a better angle at the thing. And I think with the with the theater, it's built so that you can see the movie. Now, yes, front row, it sucks to sit there like this. Get to the theater early. Uh, those are the things, right? Or, or or get your ticket ahead of time. This is what it is, but it's a static thing. It's not where you can move sure. around and see more behind the stage and stuff. So there's no real added value other than you get to see the, the uh, movie a bit more clearly. That's about it. But I just think it's a slippery slope. But, um, but I see what you're saying, Mike. Their logic is defensible. It's just yeah. that the implementation I mean- of it. I think it's going to be dangerous. There was a time when people thought making movie theaters assigned seating was stupid. Yes, agreed. True. I, I, as as someone who had to wait more than my fair share, uh, getting to theaters at like 9 p.m. for the midnight show so that we could be sitting in the front of the theater because we bought 25 tickets, uh, I am more than happy to have assigned seating now. So, again, it'll be interesting to see because, as as and again, I'm not really defending this, although I'm just trying to be as – fair as possible to it because there are so many times in history where something like this happens. Oh, we, we tweaked prices here. We did this. I mean, look, I used to be, it used to be $6 to go see a movie and now it's like, you know, it's $25 a ticket. So like things, you know, like things change. Um, and it will be interesting to see if people embrace it or not. I think, I think the main thing, and I think Shannon really hit on it is at a point in time where theaters are struggling because of COVID, yeah. because of entertainment systems at home, because of the window between theatrical release and streaming or home viewing or anything else, I think this is probably not the smartest time to try this yeah. one, but we'll see. Yeah, I think, you know, this, this isn't our main topic, but but I do want to throw in one last point here. You know, I've been saying for years uh, that it, the theater will have been, we've said it on the show, theater, theaters will eventually become like Broadway theaters where you will pay the extra $50 a ticket to see 
a movie in 20K with the chair moving around. That is absolutely the path we're going on. This is the step towards that, another mini step or big step towards that idea of making you pay extra, extra for having to be in a certain section and see the movie in a certain way. And this is just desperate attempts to try to get the money back. It's somehow, some way to try to make some money off of this situation because I think it's the last gasp. It feels like the last gasp of theaters as much as people are encouraging people to go like, yes, $1.5 for Maverick and all this money for um, Avatar, those are few and far between. You're not seeing billion-dollar movies every week. So these are the things that I think the theaters mm-hmm. are realizing more and more. And this is why studios are trending towards more of these tentpole pictures so that everybody makes money in the, in the whole pipeline system uh, and not something like The Whale, which is not going to make a, a billion dollars. So... I wonder how this is slowly going to affect the kind of content we get in theaters, not the kind of content that gets made. So, um, what, right, what, what are you laughing? What is Shannon? You can't see if you're listening. What are you giggling what about you down laughing? there? The whale is not going to make a splash. Oh, you know, God damn it! God damn it! All right, Warren, I guess don't uh, you know let let giggling Shannon lie. Like when he's sitting there <laughs> laughing to himself. Don't ask, because you know what you're going to get. He's just sitting there <laughs> laughing at his own joke that he yeah. has yet to say out loud. Like the and the frog, you can only blame yourself. You got oh, stoned. my gosh. I, I got to be careful not to take a sip. I'm going to give myself a spit take. Let's <laughs> <laughs> take a break. We'll jump in on the topic after this. <laughs> Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. If you want legendary service, if you want sweeter discounts, shop under with insurance, see what it's all about, switch to insurance. Get a quote and save by bundling auto and home with insurance. He literally can't sip his drink because he's laughing so hard. That's right. At his own joke. It's a combination. It's 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 also your reactions. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, all right, Mikey, what do we got? Well, you thought AMC Theaters was the only one in hot water this week, but uh, th- that is not the case. Um, Hogwarts Legacy has been released on video game systems around the world, uh, reigniting the ongoing controversy about what to do about J.K. Rowling. Um, so Hogwarts Legacy is out. You can download it if you want. You can refuse to download it if you want. Yeah. Some gaming um, outlets are refusing to review the game. 
Some gaming outlets are listing other magical games that you could download instead. Some gaming outlets are reviewing the game and defending their right to review the game. And on Twitter or anywhere on social media, people are in a fight because there are people that really want to play the game and are downloading it. People who really don't want to play the game and refuse to give J.K. Rowling money. And everywhere in between, and everybody is arguing with everybody about the right way to handle this. So, um, really opens up a big can of worms. Like, this is sort of maybe one of the bigger, more... um, contentious versions of what we sort of struggle with as a society right now. Like we are pretty divided as a society. Every time, you know, we're, we're filming a movie and somebody is an anti-vaxxer or somebody is pro this or anti that. And we all struggle with, do we support the artist? Do we support the actor? Do we support the cause? And JK Rowling and transgender rights and Hogwarts legacy seem to be uh, the hot button issue of the moment that everyone is sort of trying to navigate. So gentlemen, Dive in. What do you think? How do you how do you slice this one up? I, I've these are one of those things where I've rarely been more conflicted than I am with this situation because the video game, the trailers, the footage, it looks incredible. It looks phenomenal. And by the way, she had nothing to do with the creation of the video game. Zero. But if you buy it, she will absolutely get a profit from that money. And she has said that she, in response to someone on Twitter about it, I think a year or two ago, uh, talking about the game, she said, I sleep, who's saying, how can you sleep with these comments that you make? And she said, I look at my checkbook or I look at my bank account and I sleep. I don't lose a, uh, an ounce or a wink of sleep. And so it's that kind of thing. And a lot of people are correctly pointing out that if you buy the game, the money will go into her pocket to support anti, uh, to support transphobic causes and what have you. you know, some of you are going to comment down below and be like, she's not transphobic. Yes, she is. Deal with it. And this kind of stuff is really difficult to navigate because the property used to stand or does stand for a lot of people for inclusion. In fact, there is a trans character in this game, a female trans character in this game. Unfortunately, even that's come under criticism because people are claiming that her voice sounds too manly. She's she's addressed by sir. Uh, but then other people counter that her name uh, is Celtic for rebirth. So what does that mean? So there's even even the game itself is touched by controversy in trying to address the controversy by having a trans character. Even the way they went about having a trans character can be read as the incorrect approach. So this is just muddy waters. It is driving me nuts that because I'm trying to figure out if I should buy the game or not. And I I support you know the trans community. Been very vocal about my support for the trans community. Been an ally, but like. But I also am wondering, like, is buying the game a negative thing? Playing the game a negative thing? And if it is, then I then I'll make that decision for myself. But it is it's a tough it's a conundrum for sure for a, for a number of reasons. Shannon, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, you know, I was a big fan of those books. Yeah, when they came, I, I, I super enjoyed them. Not as big a fan of the movies. Um, uh, you know, I do love, you know, the theme park experiences that, that you know, Harry Potter has has created. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know. I mean, I, the video game was never a, a thing for me. Like, I had kind of emotionally separated from the brand. Uh, and not just because of, of her. I mean, I just sort of kind of got over it. Um, also, the Fantastic Beast movies being what they were. I mean, that oh, was just further... That was just their separation like oh yeah i don't if she is the credited writer on this um you know maybe writing scripts ain't her thing hmm. uh 
but you know you wonder just about the brand um knowing how much it means to people and how financially successful it has been like is it so tainted now that warner brothers is just going to cut bait um like i don't know how well the game is doing right now i know i've i have read online and, and granted these are just people uh, uh tweeting out their opinions so I, you know i don't know um that according to some folks on twitter that the plot of the game is comes off as a a, a, a bit anti-semitic yes uh well, again, like I, I don't know the game. I haven't read about it, so I don't know. I don't know what that is in reference to in the past. I mean, there there have been comparisons with, especially with the goblin characters, that they come off. You know, what looking at them now, kind of uh, with clear eyes, like, oh my god, these are so, these are so anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it was a game that I never had any, any interest in. Um, I did read someone's uh, uh, theory that if you want to play this game that badly uh buy it secondhand so she does not get that Mm. money like if 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 you feel this strongly but you also want to play the game this is a this is a way to do it um so yeah man i mean again i'm more curious about what's going to happen with this once beloved franchise because of because of uh comments that the that the creator has made yeah, um, according to this Hogwarts Legacy, uh, it, it, the pre-orders topped the Steam charts. This is like three days ago um, uh, from VGCharts.com. Um, so they were saying that it is absolutely one of the highest in- games in demand. Uh, it is one of the top sellers by revenue. Just the pre-order revenue put it already at number one, right above Steam Deck and Dead Space. And the two versions, because there are two versions of the game, uh, one of the versions is at number one. One of the versions is at number four for the sales. So clearly it didn't affect um, the sales for it uh, that uh, deeply. And you wonder how many people are really plugged in to this controversy and want to be necessarily activists with their money. I, is it just all of us in the bubble and a majority of people could care less and don't want to spend time thinking about it? That's another part of this that uh, that is you know has to be weighed overall when you're looking at this issue mike yeah i feel bad for the game the game designers yeah, uh yeah. because by all by all accounts the reviews that have come out that actually review the game say it's a it's it's pretty good yeah. uh content aside uh controversy aside that as far as like giving you that harry potter experience that they did a good job and they have this trans character again controversy aside whether they did it exactly right when you log into the game and you get to create your character, you are allowed to have, you can assign your male character a female voice, your female character a male voice. Yeah. Like they've kind of, they have gone out of their way to create a, an adventure in the Harry in the Harry Potter universe without JK Rowling's influence that is as inclusive as it could possibly be. And arguably uh, as inclusive as a lot of other really great games out there that we say, oh, this is a great example of inclusivity. And J.K. Rowling is still fucking it up. Um, I think J.K. Rowling is going to, you know, she's she's always going to be rich. It is, yeah. it's, it, she's going to be rich. She gave us Harry Potter. We all love those books. She's going to be rich no matter what she does, no matter what we do for the rest of her life. Um, yeah. Whether that's good or bad or indifferent, like that's that's just the facts of the matter. So the idea of trying to hit her where it hurts in her pocketbook, 
as much as I think that everyone has the right to make that decision for themselves, the reality is that's we're not hitting her in her pocketbook. She mm. is beyond she's beyond wealthy enough that that's nothing that we do or anybody does is really going to matter. Like if Warner Brothers dumped her tomorrow and somehow stole Harry Potter away from her or packed up all their Harry Potter stuff, handed it to her and said, thanks, we're out. She's still going to have more money than most of us ever see in our lifetime. So yeah, yeah. it just it is what it is as much as that kind of sucks in a lot of ways it's just true so i think for me i think you everyone needs to do what they want what they think is the right thing to do like if you really can't stand supporting her do not play the game if you if harry potter meant a lot to you and you grew up loving it and you really want to check the game out check the game out as shannon said you can buy it secondhand I know lots of people who anytime who who do still enjoy Harry Potter who anytime they buy a Harry Potter thing they give an equal or greater amount to a trans charity. That's great. I mean there there are, there is a thousand different ways to do this and I think the bottom line and I think the thing that the one thing that does sort of bother me in all of this is our love for content. I mean all we do on Geek Buddies is talk about the Star Wars universe, the Harry Potter universe, the DC universe, the Marvel universe, all the the you know all these universes that we love. Um, if your love for a universe is great, like it's complicated right now. I think JK Rowling is making it hard to love her universe. I, I know a lot of people, myself included, that find it harder to enjoy Harry Potter now. Like I used to love it. I used to love going to Universal. I used to love the rides. I used to love getting my butterbeer. And now the experience is a little bit tainted. Anytime I'm kind of in interacting with Harry Potter on any level, whether it's watching the movies or uh, you know, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child on Broadway or whatever it is, there's just a part of me that doesn't love it as much. Yeah. Um, and, and part of that is J.K. Rowling's uh, comments about the trans community. Part of it, as Shannon said, is looking at what she wrote with fresh eyes and realizing that some of it is a little bit dicey. Uh, the Goblins and Gringotts being one specific example. Right. Um, and part of it is the Fantastic Beasts franchise and how she just royally fucked that up. Mm-hmm. So... I think that the best thing for Harry Potter is going to be when J.K. Rowling is gone. Yeah. Because I think that this is an expansive world, and I think it's a world that has a lot of merit, and I think it's a world that has meant a lot to a lot of people. Um, And I think that once she is gone and not making comments and other people can be the stewards of this universe and take it to new places, just like Avalanche Games is trying to do by making it inclusive and putting trans characters there, I think that's going to be the best thing for this universe. And until then, it's going to be something that we're all going to struggle with. But I think what I would say to everybody who's listening to this, because as John said, I know some of you people are like, J.K. Rowling's not transphobic. Some people are like, I can't stand J.K. Rowling. She's the worst thing in the world. If you if you have friends who play Harry Potter, it doesn't mean that they're transphobic. Uh, and if you are just sitting there refusing to buy Harry Potter, it doesn't automatically make you an ally. There's a lot of other things you can do for the trans community that are going to make you way more of an ally than whether or not you cast some spells on your PS5. (laughs) So I think, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a really personal decision for everybody, but I think at the end of the day, vilifying the people who are playing the game or who are not playing the game is not the way that any of us are going to further trans rights or be more connected as a society of geeks. Yeah. It, you know, having worked at the land, it always comes back to those moments inside the room when people lit up. You know, those are my personal experiences. I have a completely different experience than you two in the Harry Potter world uh, because I never read the books. And I 
but I but I found the magic in the movies. And then being a part of that for almost two years at Universal Studios in Hollywood, the experiences I had in those rooms, I'm never going to be able to replicate in any other format. And those are I know how special this is. So this is what it's what I struggle with because I would love to go back and replug into that, and the game would be a way to do that. And I think. I'm going to have to make a decision about that. And I think uh, Shannon make an excellent point that buying it secondhand might be the way to go. Cause you know, GameStop has that within the week, people selling their copies back and uh, you can do that there at GameStop. So that may be the path, but Michael, you bring up an excellent point. If you're going to buy the game, counter it by contributing to another charity. If, if that's something that's really important to you, that's a way to do that and kind of maybe balance out the scales a little bit in life. And, she does not have the wherewithal that Lucas did to sell Star Wars, so she is going to hold on to that when. You know, oh, for we are going to have to. We are going to have to pry that sorting hat out of her cold dead fingers. I mean, like absolutely. she is not letting this go. Never. Ever. Um, so that is going to be. It's going to be a while before we can have a Harry Potter universe that is rollingless. Um, but as a lot of people, I mean, and I would say also, like, if yeah. you did love Harry Potter and you find yourself in a position where you've sort of soured on the universe a little bit. As I said, there are lists out there right now for other games that you can download that have magic and mystery and cool creatures in them. And there are amazing franchises out there uh, in YA novels and fantasy novels that you can dive into as well. So that is the other thing you can do is rather than what you choose to not spend your money on, it's also putting your money towards the next big franchise. Like, You know, let let Warner Brothers license the next big awesome thing and have that be a huge hit while J.K. Rowling is, you know, burying Harry Potter into the ground with her shitty Fantastic Beast movies. Like, let's uh, let's all find other things that we can get excited about as well. Yeah, and Jedi Survivors right around the corner. So, yeah. Um, and not, the nine minutes were dropped, which looked awesome. Um, all right, let's take a break and then we'll jump into our next topic here. Jump into some trailers with Shannon McClung right after this. As long as AMC doesn't do that stupid plan. All uh, right, so we got trailers, trailers, trailers. <laughs> the first one is actually the second look we're getting at Mel Brooks's History of the World Part 2. So this is going to be an eight-episode series on Hulu over four nights and an incredibly stacked cast. I mean, you've got Wanda Sykes, you've got Ike Barinholtz, you've got Johnny Knoxville, you got Taika Waititi. I mean, there are just so many people, so many really, really funny people in this. One who was a friend of ours, Mrs. Sorry You Blue, who pops yeah. up very quickly in the uh, Kumail Nanjiani uh, uh, segment. Um, but, you know, this, I think this is giving us more, more of what we are expecting. Will it knock it out of the park? We'll find out. But gentlemen, what did you think of our second look at History of the World Part 2? Yeah, Mikey, what did you think? I love Mel Brooks. <laughs> I grew up loving Mel Brooks. So here we go. I think, I think Young Frankenstein is great. I think Blazing Saddles is great. <laughs> love Spaceballs. Mel Brooks's humor now is like your drunk uncle at Passover. <laughs> like you love him and you laugh at his jokes. Sure. 
But you don't know that his jokes are still that funny in this day and age. Like, I, we'll see. It's a stacked cast. Like, it is a stacked cast. It feels like an event, which is cool. Um, like, like just the way that they are promoting it makes it feel like appointment television where I want to check it out and then tweet about it and say, oh, this was funny, that was funny. Just don't know if it's going to actually be funny. Like, that's, uh, like, with Mel, like, Mel Brooks, like, Men in Tights was like, okay, we're still good. And then after that, you got into, like, Dracula dead and loving it. And you were just like, oh, God. And it's like, it's your drunk uncle at Passover. That's, that's, that's my fear. So given, the, given the, the size of the cast and the way that it feels like an event, I'm, uh, I don't even know if I'd say hopeful. I am intrigued, but I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to deliver the goods, guys. Yeah, I did a trailer reaction for this one earlier today because um, I missed it yesterday. And here's what I'll say. There's, there are some fun hits. There are a lot of cringe misses. And so this is going to be over four nights. So, I mean, I would be worried about a two-hour movie trying to recapture some of the magic from the original film, um, let alone four nights of trying to recapture the magic from the original film. So that concerns me on so many levels. They're going through 5,000 years of history, but they have some of the greatest comedic talent that we have around today. I mean, look, Taika Waititi's Freudian slip had me on the ground. I'm not going to lie. That was very <laughs> funny. Um, the Harriet Tubman thing, though, was a little so on the nose, you know, that you're just like, uh, you know, where's this going to work? The Jesus stuff with Quentin Brunson made me laugh. Um, yeah, yeah. But the Alexander Graham Bell stuff did not make me laugh. So, it's Oh, like, my it's, gosh. I thought that was so funny. What? <laughs> that, oh my that, god! That confirms it. It's my mother. <laughs> uh, so I wow. can't. God love you. But the the Seth Rogen stuff with the pugs that was cute. Don't tell God that was funny. So it, it's it's going to be a mixed bag for sure. Jack Black dance. I'm no Jack Black fan, but him dancing around singing I thought was super funny. But the William Shakespeare thing was terrible, uh, and that may be because I just am not a Josh Gad person. So there was, it was just, it was just like a balance throughout. So I'm going to watch it because it's coming up in March. It's around the corner, but I'm not going to have any hope that it's going to be great. But if I just get two or three laughs out of it uh, each night, then I think it'll be okay. We could use some laughter for God's sakes. So um, to yeah. the ja Josh Gad moment specifically, Johnny. Okay. Uh, um, so a few years ago, a musical came out called Something Rotten. That yes, I remember that one. Yes, this that sketch is literally <laughs> lifting part of the plot. No way, <laughs> that one that really did throw me. Like, I wasn't gonna bring it up, it wasn't gonna bring it up, but like, yeah, when the guy was like, We need a new idea for a thing, and like, well, what if we did a play where everybody sings and dances their feelings? And they're like, That's dumb, and I'm like, That's the entire plot of something rotten. Like, that is how do you miss that one? I mean, and something rotten, John. You you would love it. It is okay. it is so incredibly funny. But but I'm not a huge Josh Gad fan either. I think he's probably a lovely person in real yes, life. Yes, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Yes. Um. Yes. But but that coupled with the fact that they again they are just directly lifting from something that I you know got there first and did it better. Um. Yeah. That I'm kind of like ah gosh I don't know. But Ike Barinholtz as Alexander Graham Bell really has wow. me really has me invested. <laughs> Well, you know, this is interesting because uh, John O'Farrell, who was the book writer for Something Rotten, responded to the trailer online, tweeted, said, I know writers can land on the same idea, but our musical ran on Broadway for two years, then toured for two more. There's no way that everyone connected with his film was unaware of it. Uh, and uh, our premise 
was what if they came up with the idea of a musical in Shakespeare's London? In the past, I've had ideas I later realized I'd seen somewhere else that you just have to come up with something new. Mel Brooks has given me so much pleasure down the years. I'd be sad if he was now so all-powerful that no one can say to him, Mel, they already did that. Josh Gad responded, of course he did, saying, big fan, all due respect, the trailer is being taken out of context. It's a one-off joke. Nobody breaks out in the song from what I recall. The trailer cuts to a completely different moment. It's literally that line and off. Something rotten is brilliant, by the way. So, and and Farrell responded with a thank you and to clarify and and all of that. So, seems like everybody's okay about this. But surely, Mike if, and Shannon, if we go in there and Josh is about the recollection, we might be in for some lawsuits. Here. Sounds like a lot of tweets back and forth that basically come down to good afternoon. <laughs> He said, it would, it would really be a shame if Mel Gibson did this. Good afternoon. Oh, no, it was a one-off joke. Good afternoon. How dare you, sir? Good afternoon. Well, also, you just called Mel Brooks Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Good afternoon, sir. That's worse. That's worse than Tyka's slip. Master mates. So, History of the World Part 2 starts on Hulu March 6th in uh, just a few weeks here. Yeah. So, that brings us to our next trailer, which how Wes Anderson didn't direct this is shocking to me, but it's called Paint, starring Owen Wilson as a very Bob Ross-like character with a fantastic name, Carl Nargle, who is a public television painter who uh, starts to uh, lose some viewers and uh, they end up going to a, uh, to, to a the younger, newer uh, thing, who is uh, actually uh, Sierra Renee, who for all of you legends of Tomorrow Watchers, she was hot girl uh, in the CWDC all universe. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, uh, again, this is another very uh, comedically stacked cast. We have Stephen Root. We have Wendy McClendon uh, Covey. Um, This looks, again, this looks very funny, very quirky. I imagine it has the potential to, you know, fully go off the rails. But I thought the trailer was funny. Gentlemen, what did you think of our first look at paint? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was, and I agree with you, Shannon. Until you said it didn't even occur to me. This could have been a great Wes Anderson type movie playing on the Bob Ross stuff. And I don't know if you guys have seen the Bob Ross documentary on Netflix. It's fantastic. The most recent one. Yeah. And so it feels like this film has elements of that because that was something that was going on with Bob Ross at the time. He was kind of not breaking through and he had started out with someone else and then he went off on his own. And when he went off on his own is where he became uh, really big. And then there was a lot of drama afterwards about who's really in control of the Bob Ross stuff with his son. So, very fascinating stuff here and but they updated it to have okay we're gonna go with a younger person of color who's a woman how does a white man older man who has had some success react to that so that's going to be really interesting how they play into that not only just younger replacing older but younger person of color female replacing older person older white male in this situation which a lot of people are kind of you know uh, railing against here nowadays we see on both sides the battle about that so that's going to be interesting but overall just a great vibe a nice interesting pleasant film that's probably going to have some some rough moments and the scene with him handing his sandal to wendy mcclendon and mccoy is just hilarious so i i hope this is one of those small little gems that you go and watch on a saturday afternoon or on a day off from work on an afternoon 
and you just kind of have a pleasant time watching this movie. It's what it feels like yeah. to me. Uh, and someone commented on the trailer, which I thought was genius, saying, if he doesn't look at one of his paintings and go, wow, we've lost. <laughs> what do you think, Mike? Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know. I don't know that it's premium seating for me, but it might be standard seating. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, no, I the, Owen Wilson playing a Bob Ross type character is just a home run in and of itself to me. Um, and the vibe of the trailer with the calm music while he was kind of unraveling was very, very funny. But also the idea of taking someone as sort of relaxed and oh, yes. chill as Bob Ross <laughs> and throwing the idea of white, straight male fragility in there as how does he react to something that like, we talk about this all the time. I mean, you know, yeah. I have this, you know, whether it's uh, behind the camera in animation, whether it's acting, whether it's anything like a big thing in the industry now is a bunch of people uh, contending with the fact that there are, there are different types of people being looked at for jobs right now. And that might be affecting your job and you know that it's the right thing, but it's hard for you and you're struggling. Like these are real things that people are dealing with. And if they can sort of hone in on all that, mm -hmm with Owen Wilson as Bob Ross and make it all work. Like it could be pretty brilliant. You know what? I think I sold myself. I'm going premium guys. I'm going premium. I'm paying the extra $2. I'm in. Look, just, just go see it before four. You don't have to pay the Actually we'll see because it comes out April 7th. So at this point, maybe AMC has rolled out that program nationwide. And so this brings us to our last trailer, which, um god bless john roca for sending this to me because i had read the i had read the headline i didn't even i didn't think twice about it then i clicked on this trailer and again i think this this has the potential to be one of those big summer comedies but this one is called strays it is about an abandoned dog who teams up with other strays to get revenge on his former owner the former owner being will forte the abandoned dog being will ferrell who teams up with uh some other strays jamie fox isla fisher uh i, I believe it's from fresh off the boat uh randall park um it, it's this group of four dogs who then set out on this revenge plan to to bite the former owner's dick off i was howling no pun intended at for once trailer. for once <laughs> gentlemen what did you think of our first look at strays man when i was growing up you know we had milo and otis <laughs> homeward bound you had these like heartwarming films with sure. sally field and michael j fox like giving the voice to dogs and cats as they go on these incredible journeys and it's like just it's heartwarming and sweet and seeing that kind of concept placed on this i i was not like like you know you so usually what happens is we're deciding what we're going to review and what we're going to talk about in geek buddies and shannon will throw some trailers out or john throw some trailers out and then i'm like oh shit i got to youtube i gotta watch them and i was like what what is this and i started watching i'm like oh god this is gonna be dumb and i also uh was howling by the end of it uh, it was it was really really funny and just the entire plot of the movie being like oh my owner did abandon me I'm gonna, I'm gonna bite his dick off. And that's the plot. Seems to be that's the movie. Like, this doesn't seem like the heartwarming movie where he gets to the end and you find out that Will Forte really loved him after all. Like, I think that dick's getting bit off. Like, I think that's where this is going. I'm just, I'm, 
my thing is like, what has that dog seen where he understands that Will Forte's dick is the most important thing to him, so he knows exactly what to go for. John, you don't have a dog, but I'm gonna tell you when you got a dog in your house, <laughs> yeah, and they're st- and they're and they're watching you at all times. Oh boy, that was a leap that I did not have to make. Oh my, oh my. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this. I mean, I, I did a uh, reaction to it earlier. This, as soon as it dropped, I saw. I was like, what the? I didn't even know about this movie, right? I was I was sitting in front of my computer working on other things. And all of a sudden, this email came in. Oh, this trailer has dropped. And I'm like, Strays? What the hell is Strays? Uh, I don't know. It's probably a dog movie, whatever. And I look, clicked on it, and it was Will Ferrell and Jimmy Fox. I'm like, well, let me see. And then when I read the synopsis, I'm like, I got to react to this. Even if it's terrible, I got to react to this. And I had no idea it was going to be this funny. And I did the Red Band trailer because I liked the, I, Let's see what I'm really going to get when I walk in the movie theater. It was genius. Absolutely. I got to tell you. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. When that Jamie Foxx dog gets drunk... <laughs> And sees his reflection in the, mirror <laughs> in the mirror and gets in a fight with himself. I was Ugh. that got me. That got me. Uh, but he's and he's criticizing Reggie, who is right next to him, even <laughs> though he thinks it's another dog that he's criticizing. And I love. It. He's like, I don't want this to get violent. Uh, uh, the whole thing with the the gnome, where he's like, Yeah, I'm your father. This is very awkward to introduce myself this way. All of those little jokes within, because he's a fish out of water with these card harder edge. Dogs, Randall Park being a therapy dog, that is hilarious. When they eat the shrooms, it's funny as hell. But I'm telling you, the moment that made me lose my shit, and you go watching the reaction, is when that fucking hawk comes in and takes <laughs> Jamie Foxx's dog. I lost my shit. I lost my shit. I didn't see that coming. He's like, what else could go wrong? And he's just gone. And you're like, holy shit. So just showing you that this is going to be fun. And you're right, Mike. This is not Milo and Otis or Homeward Bound. This is not. This is not Milo and Otis, you guys. <laughs> but, I mean, I think it does have the potential to have a lot of heart. I mean, that oh, yeah, moment sure. where Reggie realizes that, wait, that means Doug doesn't love me. I mean, like, the the sincerity that that line is delivered. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I tell you. This comes to Shannon, the end of this trailer... Oh. Had a puppet dog with human hands because he was on <laughs> mushrooms. If you're coming to this movie for the heart, you might you might be in for some disappointment. All I need is that all I need is that moment that Will Ferrell already delivered perfectly in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> and this is uh, directed by Josh Greenbaum, who did uh, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Which, which came out last year, which was a super, super funny film. That was so, so funny. I did not think that film was going to be funny, and it was hilarious. You're right. I when mean, I, again, the alternate reality where COVID didn't happen and Barb and Star got released in the theaters. I mean, you know, I, I feel like there would be Rocky Horror Picture-like screenings of that movie happening. You're probably right. You're probably right. Also, in my the, opinion. The American Vandal writer wrote this film, uh, Dan mm-hmm. Perot, uh and Phil Lord and Chris Miller our producers on this thing. Uh, I will give you Lord and Miller, Lord and Miller. Yeah. Maybe there's some heart there. I'll give you that Lord and Miller. They, they are the masters of, they, they gave me some heart in both 21 drum street, jump street movies. So I will, uh, I will, I I will give it up to them for that. (laughs) Well, we will all, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Johnny. Oddly, Louis Leterrier is one of the producers on this. So I don't know what that means. So yeah, the Hawk was his idea. Yeah, probably. (laughs) A hawk would be a good idea here. He swoops down from the air. <laughs> he takes the dog. 
think he just became German. Um, but <laughs> we're all going to get to see Strays June this summer, June 9th in theaters. All right, there we go. <laughs> well, let's take a quick break. And we'll jump into our main topic here, talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Quantumania, what we expect in Phase 5. Do, 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 Loki, Christoph Beck's Ant-Man score from one and two. That's some of the best music in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a good, it's a good score. And also, and all they also play the shit out of it at California Adventure. Oh, dude, uh, really? as part of their wow. yeah, as, as part of the whole like Avengers campus sort of uh, music that's kind of strung throughout. It's a little bit Avengers, a little bit Spidey, but a, little, a lot of Ant Man. Like if you're if you're sitting and having uh, having a tequila drink and an oversized pretzel at Pim's Cafe, you will uh, hear that music a whole lot. But it's very soothing. Oversized yeah. pretzel. You might have talked me into that. You might have talked me. Into oh, that. it's a big. That's, that's what did it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I you know, I haven't been to the Star Wars land, and I've never been to the Avengers land yet, so I gotta find my way to do these things. But I'm always like, oh, a theme park. I don't know if I want to spend my afternoon. Ah, I gotta. If you got an oversized soft pretzel, you know me, Shannon. I, you know, from our brewery days, that is all you need to get me through the door. So uh, we'll <laughs> anyway, all right, Ant Man of the Wasp: Quantumania, the the uh, premiere world premiere happened on Monday night. Some of my colleagues got a chance to go up there in L.A. A lot of fun. Shout out to my uh, my co-host Wendy Lee Zaney on the uh, John and Wendy show. She got to be there, and Mark Ellis and Christian Harloff and all those got to be there. Um, but there were some reactions to this one. Of course, this one is Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, and we're getting Jonathan Majors here as Kang. You, uh, the three of us have talked about. The uh, trailers that have been dropped before, and so the reactions coming out of this thing are really interesting. Let me bring, let me share the screen so we can all read them together, so we're not all just kind of listening to me talk. But um, here is Courtney Howard, who's a critic that I also respect and admire, saying after a frustratingly rough Act One, Ant Man: The Wasp: Quantum Mania finally gets going, only to end where this story should have began. While the external stakes are clear and weighty, emotional drive felt slight and even, and levity even lighter. That said, Jonathan Majors rules. Uh, up rocks is Mike Ryan said, Ant-Man of the Wasp, Quantumania. Trying to imagine a Marvel novice, one ticket, please, then getting two hours of variant and multiverse talk. Jonathan Majors is great as Kang and good for a portion of the movie. Michelle Pfeiffer is the main character, which is awesome. They found the perfect actor in Majors for Kang, and we are going to get a lot of Kang coming up, but I'm not sure about the whole, you think Thanos was bad, meet Kang strategy. He's fun here, but to be the big bad over multiple projects just leaves it hanging in the air that question uh my friend scott mendelson here from the rap said my son changed his mind at the last minute and skipped seeing ant-man of the wasp quantumania tonight he sadly had the right idea speed writer nora dominic said john the majors is a force in ant-man of the wasp quantumania is compelling chilling and already giving a top-notch performance i love the complexity he brings to kang with literally a single look mcu really won with the casting and um fandango's eric davis said phase five has begun the new Ant-Man movie is like a psychedelic roller coaster full of frightening and hilarious oddities, plus one very menacing Kang. Big Star Wars vibes meet the MCU at its freakiest and most inventive. Modoc is a riot, but Jonathan Majors conquers. Love the ride. I really dug how Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is both a part one of Phase 5, but also a self-contained Ant-Man story that's funny and sweet and features a kick-ass Michelle Pfeiffer. I think that's... Everybody that I wanted to read, guys, what are your reactions there right off the bat to these kind of mixed reactions or a mixed bag of reactions here? 
Um, there were some overly positive ones from the standard people who always love every Marvel movie, but it seems like this is a little bit more of the continuation of Phase 4, where not everyone is falling all over themselves to give love to this film. So what are your reactions to these reactions? Well, I mean, it seems the one universally praised element is uh, Jonathan Majors. Yeah, correct. Which, yes. you know, I mean, I, I feel like his performance in Loki... I really liked it. I hear not everyone was the biggest fan. Like it was a, a little broad for some people, but for me, I, I thought it totally made sense. Like this is a guy who's essentially been by himself for, you know, possibly millennia with the exception of, uh, you know, an animated uh, clock that talks. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm super excited to see him. Jonathan Majors has never delivered a boring performance in my opinion. Yeah. Um, as far as a couple that I read, it said it didn't really feel like an Ant-Man movie. Like it, it was mm. kind of missing that lighter hearted comedic approach. And I don't think that's necessarily a, a bad thing, but I feel like coming off of phase four, that was a bit of a mixed bag. I think mm. there, um, there are a lot of uh, high expectations for this as this is supposed to kind of kick the multiversal story for this saga into high gear. Um, so I'm, I just, I just want a good movie. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, going back and like, you know, reading about, uh, you know, Fantastic Four with Matt Shackman and everything. Uh, I remember when WandaVision started phase, phase four and 90% that series got there mm -hmm. and the promise of, of the continuing Marvel cinematic universe and throughout phase four, it was, it was a little, it, it had some great moments had some lumpy moments as well. So I just want, I just want a good fun movie. Mm. And so I know a lot of the, a lot of people have said that it takes a second to get going. You can say that with a lot of the Marvel films. Um, so, I mean, my, my fingers are firmly crossed at this point. Um, no one says, <laughs> no one has said it is boring, that it gets a little zany. That That's 100% like, true. Yeah. So, I mean, as long as as long as we're given a fun ride, I, again, my, my fingers are are, uh, are are crossed, cautiously optimistic. OK, Mike, your thoughts on these reactions? Yeah, I was saying to our buddy, Jonathan Gabay hmm. last night, he gets mad when I say our buddy and he knows I'm talking about him, but I don't say his name. So I was talking to our buddy, Jonathan Gabay. Oh, last he, wants buddy, night. he wants buddy credit. Give him he's buddy he's credit. buddy cred, buddy cred. <laughs> uh, yes, go ahead. I, look, I was saying that. I was going into this movie uh, not, um, I'm not like stoked the way I was in phase three for Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. Like I think phase four, uh, coming off of Spider-Man No Way Home, I was ready to rock, but between Multiverse of Madness and Thor Love and Thunder, and even though I think Wakanda Forever is a great movie, didn't quite reach the heights that I was hoping. Like I'm kind of like, I, and I think like a lot of Marvel fans, I'm kind of, uh, the sheen has worn off a little bit. And so I'm not going into Quantumania right now, like flipping out the way that we were, uh, you know, like Ragnarok, Guardians, uh, Infinity War, Endgame. Like you were just like, we were all crazy um, in the best possible way. And now I'm kind of like, okay, let's go in and let's see what we get. I don't think that this is going to be a disaster movie. Like I don't, but I don't know that it's going to be Oh shit, Marvel's back. I think the two things that I really like are one, the, the thing that they absolutely have to get right with this movie, it sounds like they did. It sounds like Jonathan Majors is great as Kang. And if there's one thing that needs to definitely work, 
if Kang is the bones of the rest of this saga, is that Kang has to work. And it sounds like that part, even the people who don't love the movie are like, Jonathan Majors did a really good job. Yeah. Also, you're going to put Michelle Pfeiffer front and center? I'm on board. Yep. I don't okay. care. Yeah. I don't care. I don't. I, oh, it doesn't really feel like an Ant Man movie. Maybe Ant Man needed more to do, but Michelle Pfeiffer had a ton of screen time. Great. I'm in. Give me Michelle Pfeiffer all day long. Um, yeah, I'm really, and I'm also really curious. I've heard from a lot of people that this is like Marvel's Star Wars, that it has definite Star Wars vibes. Like that was in some of the spoiler reviews. I've heard that from other people internally at Marvel. And I'm really curious as to what that means because we do have space movies we've got the guardians thor is in space so we've had a lot of space exploration we've had spaceships we've had stuff so i'm curious what about this quantum realm movie whether it's like does kang have kind of his version of the empire is there a rebellion in the quantum realm like i'm really curious what they mean by star wars vibes and i'm sure when we do our spoiler review we will be talking a ton about that um and I just really, I'm, I feel like this is where things are really kicking off. Phase four was kind of Marvel resetting after the Infinity Saga um, with mixed results. And as many people have, have pointed out and brought up and written articles about, phase four, it was a lot about grief. It was a lot about recovering from the snap. It was about, uh, you know, everyone dealing with that, whether it was Black Widow or Wanda or Peter Parker or Shuri. Uh, you know, I mean, there was, there was, there was a lot of crying in phase four. There's a lot of dealing with the repercussions of things. And now phase five is kind of feeling like it's kicking off this big epic new, like we're, we're getting Kang for real. We were hinted at, we knew he was coming, but this is where the rubber's meeting the road. So yeah. I, I feel like we're going to come out and be really mixed on this movie. I feel like this is going to be one where we all three have sort of varying opinions of what worked and what didn't. Um, but I don't think it's going to be not knocking on wood i don't think this is going to be like a multiverse of madness where we all kind of come out and go oh that wasn't it that wasn't <laughs> it i feel like there's going to be stuff that we like about this a lot and stuff that we're like oh you didn't quite get there i would have liked more of this i think you you fucked this up it'll be interesting yeah we're about to enter into 24 months of phase five and it's gonna be real interesting or 12, I guess 15 months, I guess, because we're into, yeah, maybe 12, 15 months of uh, phase five. It's going to be interesting to see how they slam this all together, right? Because you, oh, no, oh, yeah, because you've got Ant Man the Wasp, Quantumania, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and the Marvels all coming out this year. Then we get a break from the movies until May of 2024 at this point. Captain America, New World Order, Thunderbolts, and then Blade. Those are all 2024. And when you look at the, uh, the series, What If Season 2 is coming out, Secret Invasion, Loki. Ironheart, Echo, and Agatha Coven of Chaos at this point are all slated for 2023, which is insane to think about. And then Daredevil Born Again, that 18-episode series will start yep. in, in early 2024. So that's a lot. I just think it's odd that they used an Ant-Man movie to kick off Phase 5 because Ant-Man has always been the dessert or the after-dinner mint or the thing that you go – the decompression point like oh my god yeah make me laugh because that was a lot that is a lot but to use ant-man to launch your big baddie which is kang although you did kind of soft launch him in loki but really launch him here i thought is an i thought it was an interesting decision a curious decision because this is a franchise that has been seen as a comedic franchise yeah a fun franchise uh within the overall mcu franchise of course so to go this route is is interesting, and it sounds from a number of the people that I do respect as critics and do listen to and mostly agree with most of the time 
um, that this is a bit of a mixed bag, the movie itself. Yeah. So I agree with you, Mikey. I'm going in with like, okay, not high expectations. I just want to see what's here. Will I laugh? Will I enjoy myself? Will I buy the cat? Because Catherine Newton was also getting a lot of love in some of the responses yeah. as well. So want to see how she kind of transitions to be the new Cassie. Um, and I want to see what this world is that they're constructing. And if maybe they don't hit all the beats, I think it also kind of exposes Peyton Reed as a guy who's not going to be able to do these really expansive type movies. Yeah. He's more of a smaller type approach and that's okay to have in the MCU because those are great directors that you need to have to balance things out for the ones that can handle big stuff like the Russo brothers. So, I mean, those, those are my thoughts when I, when I come down to it, it's a little disappointing that not everybody's over the moon and it feels like we're just continuing phase four into phase five. And look, just because they call it a different phase doesn't mean everybody goes, we're suddenly great again. It's just, it's just, they're continuing what? this process. And they've got one last point. Sorry, Mike. One last point is that, and they've got so much now that's involved with Marvel that they have to introduce and connect. And we saw that in Wakanda Forever, where they were it was creaking a little bit from the weight of all the extra things they had to attach to it. And I wonder if that's also an issue in this Ant-Man film. We shall see. Go ahead. Mike. But it is. I mean, look, and I, you know, I've definitely been sc- I was scrolling through Disney Plus the other day. I watched my, my sister was in town last weekend. She hadn't seen Wakanda Forever. So oh, we ordered yes. takeout. We watched Wakanda Forever. You know, Wakanda Forever is a solid movie. Like, like yes. Marvel, the, I think we forget. And when you go back through phase one, two, and three, I, I challenge anybody to do this. Go back through your Disney Plus. Scroll through all those movies. There, It's not like the Infinity Saga yeah. was 23 Criterion Collection movies. <laughs> banger after banger after banger. Like, like there, there's, there's stuff in all these movies that you're like, oh, that was a little cheesy. That never quite worked. Didn't love that. But then there's stuff that we love. And I think what we really remember when we think of the Infinity Saga is uh, the Infinity War and uh, Endgame. I mean, Infinity War and Endgame, they 1,000% knocked out of the park. I mean, those movies, they ended with such a bang. And like, and there's gold in there. Like, I think the Captain America movies are almost perfect. I think that the Guardians of the Galaxy was just like this. Like, there's definitely great stuff. But, you know, going back through Phase 4, if you look through it, like, there, and, and I, and Phase 4 had some big disappointments for me. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot to love about Phase 4. Now, whether all of these threads weave together... And they stick the landing again when we get to Kang Dynasty and Secret War. That's going to be the real question because if we get to Kang Dynasty and Civil and Secret War, and all of a sudden Shang Chi and his sister and the Ten Rings and everything with you know Peter Parker kind of starting from scratch and all of these different pieces all come together and they manage to weave it together and tell a tale, we'll look at all of this really differently. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see, but I do think that as long as Kang comes out of this as a big bad, uh, they're good. They're still okay. Mm. I have heard um, from a couple people, Uh-oh. just as I've been talking about stuff. Not, this isn't about this isn't about Quantum at all. But I've heard that even with all the stuff coming out, with Marvel's coming out, with this coming out, internally people are very excited about New World Order. The Cap mm-hmm. Four, I think. I think that Cap Four is something that we should all be looking towards and saying, "This, this, this could be a big one." Like, I think that that that's one that people are really, really like. This is where a lot of the threads, uh, at least on the more um, grounded side of things, with with Val and maybe with the Thunderbolts and other stuff, is going to kind of really come together. So you're saying we have to get through the next. 
didn't say we have to get through. I didn't say we have to get through. No, but I mean, another aspect, and Shannon, of course, please chime in, but another aspect of this is, I, you know, the transitioning to the younger actors, the transitioning to the younger approaches here, it's a bit clunky. It's been, you got to be honest, it's been a bit clunky. These are less notable, less established, less prestigious actors. And so is that maybe stumbling a little bit out of the gate? Are we going to have the same magic that we have before? Because right now, what is it? Paul Rudd, Hemsworth, um, I guess Tom Holland. These are the more seen and sadly losing, of course, Chadwick Boseman and Brie Larson, I guess, are the yeah. kind of right veteran older. Well, type Anthony Mackey. Oh, and Anthony Mackey. Yes, of course. But Anthony Mackey wasn't, you know, he was introduced later in the second Captain America film. He's not the foundational pieces. The foundational pieces are the Avengers. And so, from, right, the, so we've changed aside from Bruce, but I mean, and, and I, but I think that oh, right, whether, yes. whether it, whether it works or not, yeah, they're very intentionally saying like, oh, aside no, yes. from, aside from You're Bruce, going, yeah. the Avengers did their thing. The Avengers formed and they avenged and they saved the entire universe from Thanos and they took a lot of hits. They lost. They lost Natasha. They lost Tony. They basically lost Steve. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hawkeye's still around doing his thing, but he's, you know, got a hearing aid in. And Bruce is... And we don't know what condition Jeremy Renner's going to be in after that. And we don't know what condition Jeremy Renner's going to be in. So this idea of who is going to be the Avengers, who is going to save yeah. the world, and with a threat that is arguably bigger than Thanos was, I think is pretty key to the story that they're trying to build. Now, whether they execute it or not, yeah, yeah. whether we believe it, whether we get excited about this new group, and look, and if you've read Secret War, uh, the newer version that I think this this movie's gonna be pretty based on, um, it is about a bunch of different factions. Mm -hmm. Now, in Secret War, like it's the mutants, and it's the Hulks, and it's the Thors, and it's this, but it's pretty easy to see how you could replace a lot of this with, it's the Young Avengers, it's the Ten Rings, it's the Thunderbolts, it's the, you know, so I think that you can sort of see, and, and I think, look, it, being a Marvel defender, and again, not saying it's going to work, but being a Marvel defender, part of why Phase 4 might feel a little fractured as we move into Phase 5 is because to get to Secret War, they need a bunch of different groups. Yeah. And as you're sort of laying all the seeds for all these different groups coming together, um, it feels a little clunky. And again, if they weave all those things together by the end, we'll look back on this differently. But to your point about waiting around, you don't want to wait around for a bunch of mediocre movies to get to two really great movies. We want yeah. to see some great stuff. So I want, yeah. I, as we get to phase five, quantum mania notwithstanding, I'm hoping that we get some more No Way Homes in there. That's that's my concern. Now, Shannon, what are your thoughts to wrap this up? I mean, when you look at, phase four if you're comparing phase four is like you're re rebuilding your you're comparing it to phase one mm. um phase one had had some hits had some misses i mean the first iron man you know you no one will argue that is that that movie holds up like that's yeah. still a really really great yeah. movie that first captain america it didn't work for everybody it really worked for me yeah me um yeah. I, I would i would say iron man 2 thor not my favorite movies but it closed on the avengers and the avengers was something that we had just never seen before right. that that they were they were able to take the leads of all these other movies and put them together in one movie in this team up thing that for years you know comic fans talked about like it's impossible there, too many things have to fall into place for this to work and somehow it worked so we left phase one on such a high you know, and like what uh, 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 Avengers came out in 2012 and then you had a year before Iron Man 3. 
came out. And like at the time, we all thought Iron Man 3 is going to be amazing. And, you know, for some people it was, some people it wasn't. Um, <laughs> what, 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 ended, what ended Phase 2? Ant-Man. Ant-Man, yeah. It was, it was Age of Ultron, which a lot of people were like, yeah, okay. But then you had this, this you know, palate cleanser of Ant-Man, which yeah. at the time had had <laughs> all of these sort of uh, production, well, not production woes, but the woes going right, into the production. changing of directors, yeah, yep. yeah. The fact yeah. that Edgar Wright kind of at the 11th hour stepped away, Peyton Reed came in. Yeah. And I think like everyone was saying, I think at first everyone was saying Guardians was going to be the first Marvel flop and like, well, no, Ant-Man's going to be the first Marvel flop. And there was never a Marvel flop. I mean, you know, you got through phase three and also phase three had just banger after banger yeah. after banger. True. And so going in like theatrically, we just haven't had that. Mm. Like we had Black Widow, which I thought was a pretty good movie, but just felt so like an afterthought it's like oh god this would have been great after civil war in phase three we got shang chi which you know everyone really really liked eternals which is still a pretty uh polarizing film spider-man which everyone agreed was great and then the last few doctor strange didn't deliver thor seemed like a pretty big creative misfire and wakanda forever kind of had the insurmountable task of following up that first movie yeah so theatrically right now i think we are so hungry for a good marvel movie (laughs) and that if it isn't just an absolute home run that there are people who are going to be disappointed and you know you got those early comparisons like oh it looks like spy kids like it's it's you know it's it's so green screen and cgi heavy it's like well yeah they're 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 in the they're in the they're you in a completely you fabricated can't shoot world. on location in the quantum realm <laughs> so i mean you know i mean i do understand the sort of uh malaise that that might be happening right now because we've had so much marvel content mm. and not everything has knocked our socks off like like phase three so at this point i again that's why for me i just want a good movie I just yeah. want to go in and have a blast with with these characters that we've had such a good time with before. And if all of the um, uh, uh, first reactions are to to be believed, the fact that we don't get you know Michael Pena back, and we don't get you know uh, David Dasmalkian Dasmalkian back, it's like ah, oh, you know, were they are they the uh, uh, foundation of this? No, but they are great. And even in just some sort of limited capacity, like, God, why did you not do that? Yeah. But, you know, we will find out when the movie comes out. Yeah. I mean, Desmalchin was at the premiere. So I don't know if that, and he took pictures with the cast. So I think he might be in the film, but I know Pena, sadly, is not. And we'll see what role Evangeline Lilly plays and how big her role is because, of course, the anti vax stuff has touched her as well. Whereas Letitia had a bigger role. Obviously, in leading Wakanda forever, we'll see what role she plays, especially because, Michael, you pointed out, Michelle Pfeiffer taking center stage. That means somebody else got to move off stage. It might be that uh, she takes that kind of uh, leadership role in this movie that maybe uh, Evangeline, Evangeline Lilly might have taken if it hadn't been for some of the comments. Who knows? So who knows? Michelle. I mean, I don't – I mean, I was – I. because what I've heard, Evangeline Lilly does have a much smaller role in this movie mm. than I think people are expecting – I I would caution that I don't think that Marvel was like she's an anti-vaxer. Let's cut down her role. 
when the entire movie is we're going into the quantum realm and Janet Van Dyne spent the last X number of years in the quantum realm, it just makes sense that she would take on a bigger role. So I don't know that it is uh, a let's punish Evangeline Lilly so much as like for story reasons, it just makes sense that Janet gets to really shine. Also, it's Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, right. Good point. Uh, Real quick, Mike, uh, this just dropped. So we'll get your thoughts. I know we got to wrap up, but uh, real quick. Uh, uh, Bob Iger just announced on the Disney earnings call that there will be sequels to Toy Story, Frozen, and Zootopia. What are your initial thoughts? Considering the reaction to Lightyear and even Toy Story 4, what what are your thoughts? A Frozen 3 is great. I really hope Elsa gets a girlfriend. (laughs) <laughs> Zootopia 2 I'm super down for that world uh, give me more of all of it give me more Judy Hopps give me more Nick like I, I'm in I'm in on all of it uh, Toy Story at a certain point you gotta quit while you're ahead <laughs> like Toy Story 3 should not have been the best Pixar movie and I still think it's the best Pixar movie ever made and after you make the most perfect Toy Story you shouldn't have made Toy Story 4. You did, and you actually made a really good movie. If you can get another movie out of that that is on par with, like, the Toy Story 4 that they already have, I will be shocked and amazed. So that one makes me nervous. I just don't know. Like, what, what, uh, we'll see. Okay, we'll see. Shannon, do you want to jump in real quick? Anything? Um, Frozen, I I don't care. Uh, Zootopia shocks me that that they haven't gotten a sequel yet because Zootopia was such a good movie. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm in the camp that they shouldn't have made Toy Story four. Like, did it turn out okay? Yeah, but I would have left well enough alone. So I, if this is a an attempt to uh, close the franchise out on a high, um, I don't know, man. That that. Yeah. It seems like the foundations of that one might be buckling, and maybe we should just leave well enough alone. Well, I agree with Frozen with Shannon. I, you know, I could, I don't really need to see that, but like, I totally respect y'all are, y'all are, y'all are mad. I know, I'm sorry, but Zootopia, 100% agree with Shannon as well. And you, Mikey, I love that movie, so a sequel makes all kinds of sense. I am, I guess, the more Toy Story person, ironically, here at the end, because I loved Toy Story 4 and I loved Lightyear. So for me, I, well. I, I give me more. Give me more. I'll instead. give you. I'll give you Toy Story four because I. I really think it's. I mean, I. I don't know that it's as good as Toy Story three, but I think Toy Story four is a damn good movie. I think they really. Bo Peep is a great character. What they did with her is great. Like, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Lightyear, I can't. I can't ride that train with you. I am. Uh, that is. That is value. That is. That is. That is barely value seating for me. Like I. <laughs> it's. It's value seating for the first act. Oh, there you Great go. first act. <laughs> well, there we go. My hard-hearted friends here. All right, well, let's wrap it up here. <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us for this kind of extended episode of the Geek Buddies. We appreciate it madly. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKToon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? 
Um, here at the Geek Buddies, we want you all to have premium seating. And here is what you can do to make sure that you don't have to go sit in that front row. Um, you can hit that like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, check out all the amazing content he's got, leave your comments below. What do you think of these trailers? What do you think of Hogwarts Legacy? What do you think of Quantumania? What do you think of AMC? Let us know all in the comments below. If you are listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave some comments and some stars to help us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, post it on your social, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. And of course, big shout out to Carbon Health, who continues to power and sponsor us here into 2023. Go to CarbonHealth.com to go check, go get checked out today or download the app to have a doc in your pocket. They have 120 plus locations all over the country handling urgent care, COVID, RSV, flu testing, and vaccinations. They want to get involved with you to have connected health. It's the idea that our health isn't just about our bodies, but also our minds. So now they are expanding into offering more programs here for mental health. And I know a lot of us go through these mental health uh, issues. And so Carbon Health being there to help you all through it, whether virtually or in person, is an invaluable asset that hopefully a lot of you will take advantage of when you can. Go to visit them at carbonhealth.com or download the app today. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. And uh, look out for our Bad Batch spoiler review coming up in the next day or so from from us here at the... Geek (gasps) Buddies? Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.